I have enjoyed this series so much, y'all, I can't even tell you. Um, I'm going to continue it today. This may be it. I don't know. I doubt if I get through today. Uh, thank you, John, uh, for uh, taking the message last week at a moment's notice. I had a reaction to something. My eyes were swollen shut last Sunday morning. I woke up, tried to open my eyes, and nothing happened. And so reading was not going to happen. And so I called John about 6 o'clock, and uh, he said, sure. So he came right in, and he did a great job. I joined y'all on live stream. I was very thankful for live stream. And uh, I put in your notes a little review of all the scriptures that we've covered for the last four weeks. This is our fifth week. So the QR codes on the tables as you enter the sanctuary, uh, you can uh, get your camera open and point it at it and it will give you the notes. John, I I just, one refresher on John's that I just thought was so good. We've been given the ability to learn. He's given us the knowledge. We can find it. And then life will present an opportunity to apply it. And if if you didn't get anything else out of what John taught last week, that's really what we've been talking about is use what we know. Put it into practice, mature. And I, I could go back and cover every one of those scriptures again. They're just so good. But today we're going to start in Colossians chapter 1. I'm reading out the English Standard Version. And I have notes, and then I have side notes, depending on how much I meander around the message and how much time I have left. Ken tells me not to worry about time, so hope y'all ate a good breakfast. Colossians chapter 1, start in verse 24, and we're actually going to read down a little bit into chapter 2. It says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings, this is the apostle writing, for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. Paul suffered a lot to get us this word, y'all. It was so important to him for, to mature the saints. That, that when Jesus left this earth, that somebody teach the, this new Christian life to the new believers. It was so important to Paul that he, I can't, I don't even know how many times was he in jail? How many times did they try to kill him? How much did he suffer? Even demonic suffering that tried to come against him because the revelation knowledge that Jesus was giving him to teach the church. He's expressing that and and he did that for a reason. He did it for the church. He didn't do it for himself. He did it for you and for me so that we're not just saying, yeah, I believe Jesus did this for me and continuing to live the way we've always lived. Jesus gave his life for this. Paul suffered much for this as did most of the early church. Verse 25 said, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. God gave him this revelation, this information. He told him to steward it, to keep it, to teach it, to disciple it for you so that you would get it, to make the word of God fully known. Well, I just don't understand it. Yeah, but listen, Jesus died, sent the Holy Spirit sent the Apostle Paul, sent the disciples, the apostles, so that his word could be fully known. So the information, the knowledge, as John said, it's out there. Or should I say, it's in here. It's in here. And he wants you to know it. And I think sometimes when we don't understand something the first time, we just kind of take an exit ramp. I just don't understand that. Let me tell you something about the mature, because the whole title of this series has been, Where Do I Need to Grow Up? If I want to know something bad enough, I will find it. And that's just the truth. 
How many, how many times do you Google search something? YouTube it. Why do you do that? Because it, you want to know how to do something. Well, when it comes to the Word of God, we ought to have even more fervor than that. Because in it is the answer to your life issue. It's in there. It's, it's, it's in there. It's in there for us to get. He wants it to be fully known. Verse 26 says, The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles, that's us, are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Things can change. This is really where we're going, verse 28. Him, Jesus, Him we proclaim, or Him we preach, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, or labor, struggling with all His energy, that he powerfully works within me. So the Apostle Paul realizes, I can't do this on my own power, but I can do the labor of this with his power working in me and through me. When, when I was thinking about, okay, Father, where do we need to mature? Of all we've covered in the four weeks, what's next? And so today's subtitle is, what do they need to mature? Because one of the most significant marks of maturity is teaching others what we've learned. And, and I started, I didn't get permission in time from both my sets of kids uh, to do this, so I didn't. But I wanted to put this picture up there that I have of, of Jordan Paul and Grayson, who are the two two-year-olds, the two two-year-old grands. And they're sitting in the floor and and uh, Jordan Paul has a, a little package of Fruit Loops, and he's feeding Grayson. And I thought, he's sharing. Anybody ever had a two-year-old? Mine, 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 sharing. Because remember, we've talked about in the other sessions, uh, the, the babes in Christ, praise God, that's a beautiful stage. We just don't want to live there. They're bottle fed. They come to service. We stick a bottle in their mouth. That's the only time they get fed is when we stick a bottle in their mouth. They don't self-feed. They get fed. And then as we mature in our Christian walk, we begin to get hungry to self-feed. And we begin to get hungry for something other than just milk. We begin to get hungry for some, what we call the meat of the word. We're ready to change. We're, we're, we've got growing pains. We're not happy laying down anymore. We want to sit up. We're not happy just sitting up anymore. We want to walk. We're not, you know, there's this maturity that happens in life, and there's this maturity that should be happening in our Christian walk. We're born again. When we're born again, we're babes, born. But then there's this growing that takes place. But when we can go from being even self-feeders to feeders. Discipling others. This is the power of the kingdom. This is how the kingdom of God grows. This is, this is the miraculous work of Christianity. Why it has not died. is because somebody is teaching somebody what they learned. They're sharing the fruit loops. I just want to ask you, are you the only one eating your Fruit Loops? Are you the only one eating your... What do you know about God? What have you learned? What have you practiced in your life? I don't care if the only thing is you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know something and have experienced something that somebody out there hasn't tasted yet. And if you really want to grow, if you really want to grow in the Lord, 
Share what you know. How many of you teachers learned more after you began teaching than when you were just learning? Oh, come on. Let's see some hands in the air. You learn most of what you know by teaching what you learned and sharing what you've learned. Let's just, do we want to mature? Do we want to mature? If we want to mature in the things of God, start sharing what you know because it's, I'm telling you, it's, it's seed sown and you'll get a harvest. God will, start, God will start feeding you more revelation knowledge when you're giving out the revelation knowledge that you have. Have you learned that? Some of you Timothy Project people uh, who we're fixing to get wound back up in, uh, practicing what we've learned. It's, it's a maturing. If you've worked through difficulties in life, through the Word, by what you've learned in the Word, if you've grown in your marriage because of what you've learned, if you've grown in your family life because of what, if you've grown in your career, if you've grown in your finances because of what you learned, you know something. The Word has done something in your life, and there are people around you who haven't found that. And, and we can save them a lot of what we went through trying to learn by sharing the Fruit Loops. It's important, and maturing in any area puts us in a place that somebody else needs what we have in that area. So this morning, I believe the Lord wants us to mature enough to be willing to teach what we know. And don't get scared. We're not talking about necessarily from a microphone. After Jesus was resurrected... He appeared to the disciples and he gave them what we commonly call the Great Commission. And so if you'll turn with me to Matthew 28, I want to read that to you. When he gave this commission to the disciples that were assembled there, it was not given to perfect men. Y'all know the disciples? You read about the disciples? These weren't perfect people. These were willing people. They loved Jesus. We know they weren't perfect because in verse 17, when Jesus appears to them, it says they worshipped him, but some doubted. He appeared to them after the resurrection, and some doubted. These weren't perfect, totally mature, complete people. But yet he spoke these words to them in verse 18. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Jesus has got it. He's got back what he came to get. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go Ye therefore, go you. (laughs) You go. You go. Because of that, you go and teach all nations. Teach all nations. And see, I think sometimes when we read that, we think, we got to go to Africa. Or we've got to go to Guatemala. Somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to go. But it might mean teach your children. Yes, yes. Come on. It, might, it might mean teach your co-worker. In fact, it does mean that teach all nations doesn't mean it has to be a foreign nation. Teach, teach the peoples baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And we're getting ready to have a baptism service. I'm excited about it. This is one of the first places that you can mature and do what Jesus told you to do. It's baptism. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things 
whatsoever I have commanded you. Teach them what I've told you. Teach them what I've told you. Y'all, this is a command from Jesus himself. And I think a lot of times we get saved from hell and sit on our cushy pews with heat or air conditioning or sometimes in Arkansas, one at one time of the day and the other at the other time of the day. And, and we just get so comfortable and we forget that he is worthy of our lives. I lift my hands up and lay my life down. I lift my hands up and I lay my life down. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but it is Christ that lives in me. Christianity has kind of gotten soft and spoiled. We're supposed to be maturing. We're supposed to be sharing. We're supposed to be teaching them to observe, teaching them to observe all things. You know the best form of teaching? Example. God's really been dealing with me about Titus 2. And I know some of us ladies have been talking about it just online about Titus 2. I, I, want, to, I want to cross over and go there. I want this to be the segue over because this teaching by example, this living before people, this willingness to talk to people about what you've learned, what you've been through, how the word, how you applied the word and, and what, it, what change it brought about into, into your lives. This is your testimony. And this is how you teach People And I just want us to get stirred up this morning by the Great Commission that if I am not teaching, I am not obeying the Great Commission. And it, like I said, co-worker. See, we, John just led up to it so beautifully. Life will present an opportunity, William. Life will present an opportunity. If we don't take that opportunity... What has that person missed out on? I mean, God brings up an opportunity. We have to take that opportunity. And we don't have to be well-spoken. God used Moses to lead out a nation. And Moses himself didn't think he could talk. I mean, we can sit here and we can make excuses. But maturity does not make excuses. Maturity does not make excuses. Maturity, maturity will research and find out how. And so I want to cross over. The Apostle Paul, once again, is, is writing. He's writing to Titus, uh, his son, one of his sons in the faith. And I know we talked about this. I think we did. Or maybe I talked about it online on a session. But I want us to remember that during this time period that the Apostle Paul is writing, Christianity is a new thing. And these people are in marriages operating under the old covenant or no covenant at all. They're raising their children under the old covenant or no covenant at all. Their marriages done the way of the old covenant or no covenant at all. And along comes Jesus and fulfills that law. And now he's saying things like, I'm telling you, it's not a sin just to commit adultery, but it's a sin if you look upon a... He starts dealing with the heart. If you don't do the action, but your intent in the heart is to do the action, then I... And Jesus just starts, whoa... He's not just dealing with outside actions. He starts dealing with the heart. And so, you know, everything is, is starting to look kind of different. And, and the Apostle Paul is having to train, teach people how to live life as a Christian because there was no example other than, number one example, Christ. They haven't seen a mom and dad in a home 
living a Christian example. They haven't seen it. They, they haven't seen two people choose each other for marriage based on their dedication to Christ. They, they've never seen it. They've never seen people raise children in a Christian home. They've never seen it. Can, I mean, they've never seen it. So the apostles writing these churches and these churches are writing him asking questions and he's, he's trying to pass down this revelation and how to be in church. What does the New Testament church look like compared to the Old Testament church? Totally different. And so here we go in Titus 2. He's writing to Titus. In verse 1 he says, out of the NIV, he says, You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. He's like, Titus, this is your church. This is what you've got to teach them. You've got to teach them sound doctrine. King James Version says, speak you the things which become sound doctrine. He is laying the foundation for the way things are supposed to be in this new Christian life. Verse 2. Titus, I want you to teach the older men to be temperate. Worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Titus, I want you to teach the aged, mature, whatever word you like, men, that they need to be temperate. They had to be taught. We have to be taught. Temperate. Older guys in the room will just say married and up. How's that? You need to be temperate. Sober. That word means sober. It means not intoxicated. And I don't... I, I do believe that includes not intoxicated by substance, okay? I do believe that. But I believe we can also be intoxicated by a lot of things. Yes. Uh, distracted, things that, that make us oblivious to what's happening right in front of us with our own families, our own children, our own jobs, our own church, that we're so intoxicated. Older men in the room, I want to encourage you to be temperate, to to want to be, to find out how to be, because you want to be mature, to be temperate, sober, not intoxicated. It means self-restrained. Nobody's having to restrain you and keep you in line. Oh, my mom wife keeps me in line. Your wife shouldn't have to keep you in line. You are supposed to be the mature, self-restrained. <laughs> Sometimes the comments coming back are hilarious, but I don't want to put them online. <laughs> Self-restraint. It means be vigilant. You know, the, the older guys in this room, you're, you're not just supposed to be here to sit on this pew. You're supposed to be vigilant. Who needs help? Who, you know, who, who's struggling here? And then you find a way to build a relationship so that your words will become influential and powerful in that young man's life. There is a purpose for maturing. This whole maturing thing we've been doing, there's a purpose for maturing. And it's not just about you. It is about you, but it's not just about you. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about that person who needs to grow, who needs someone to teach them. Teach the older, mature, aged men to be temperate, sober, non-intoxicated, self-restrained, and vigilant. Teach the older men to be worthy of respect. That means you can't act a fool. I don't care if it's at a Razorback game. You can get excited. You can get loud. 
Or should we talk about the chiefs? <laughs> you knew I'd get you back, right? All the snake videos you send me. <laughs> Teach the older men to be worthy of respect. What does that look like? I want you to think of somebody right now. I want you to think of an older man, doesn't have necessarily an age, a mature man, that as you grew through life, you thought, that's a good man. And I want you to think about what that meant. What made you look at that man and say, that's a good man. What were those qualities that made him a good man? And then I want you to look at yourself and do what it takes to have that quality. So that somebody else sitting over here across the room from you can point to you and say, that's a, not a perfect man, but a good man. A good man. Worthy of respect. That means, the, the King James Version uses the word grave. I just don't like that word. It sounds boring to me. You know, like staunch. But honorable is what it means. Be an honorable man. Somebody that they can look up to and respect. I really didn't plan on going here and spending this much time on each word, but I'm going to be here for a while, several years anyway, so, you know, I've got time. Um, we won't do it all today. Your life is not in compartments. Your Christianity is not divided into compartments. Are you honorable on your job? Are you honorable on your taxes? <laughs> it's about that time, isn't it? <laughs> Are you honorable in how you treat your wife when you're not at church? Are you honorable how you treat your wife when you're not with your wife? I mean, if we don't talk about this, we're not faced with an opportunity to grow. But if we're faced with it and we hear a, an ouch in the crowd where the, you know, they always say the dog that gets hit with the biscuit yelps. If, if we don't face where we need to grow, will we ever push to grow? Do we want to mature? I mean, Rusty and I have been married, at, I don't know, 20-something years. 20-something years? <laughs> I love you. <laughs> We're still growing in our marriage because our marriage is always changing. I mean, about the time we got our kids raised, we started having grandbabies. <laughs> You know, and so, you know, life just keeps getting more interesting. And so we're always, we're always needing to mature. But that's exciting, right? We covered that in one of our sessions. That's the fun of it. It really is. Otherwise, you know, we tend to get bored if we, if we sit and look at the same screen for, you know, 30 seconds. Well, let's, let's change. Let's grow. Let's become worthy of respect. And, and ladies, I, I want you to pay attention to these words because in the next few verses, he says, the women likewise. So everything I'm saying about the guys, take to heart, ladies. And don't just elbow your husband because he's, he's going to use this for us as well. So worthy of respect, honorable, be self-controlled. We talked about that. Some of these words kind of overlap each other. Self-controlled and sound in faith. Rooted in sound biblical doctrine. There's knowledge out there. 
You need to believe what the Word says, and you need to be rooted and grounded in it, and your circumstances don't need to make you wishy-washy on it. Constantly, you are taking your family, your friends, your co-workers, not by circumstance, but you are taking them to the Word. You are rooted in sound doctrine. No matter what life looks like, this is the truth. No matter what your wife did, this is what you do. No matter what your children did, this is the kind of dad you are. No matter what your co-worker did, this is the kind of man you are. Rooted and grounded in sound doctrine to me means you're not moved around by circumstances. You're a solid, good man. In love. And it is the word agape. You are to live life in the God kind of love. And in endurance. Also translated patience. Now sometimes we're, we're not real good at Putting manhood equals patience. Sometimes we tend to associate manhood with temper. But Christianity looks different. It doesn't mean you don't get excited about things. And it doesn't mean you don't stand up for justice. We saw Jesus set and very peacefully form a whip and clean out the temple. So I'm not saying that you're expressionless. But that agape love word comes right before this endurance and patience word. And I love what one of the commentaries said. He says, this is the fruit of ripened experience. Did you know that ripened experience gives you endurance and patience? We're talking about the mature men. There should be the fruit of patience, of endurance. And it said a life of faith that has developed patience. You know what? You have learned a thing or two. And I bet you take a few more breaths and stay a little, little more calm than you did when you were 21. Because life has produced a fruit in you. You've let it. Men, be patient be patient and have endurance. You are not a man who just quits on a whim. You endure with your families. You endure with your boss. You endure with your client. You endure with your children. You endure with your pastor. Thank you for the amen on the front. Those are powerful words. Maturity doesn't excuse itself for what it doesn't know. Maturity doesn't excuse itself for what it doesn't know. Maturity desires to seek out and learn. And I have seen many, many men grow past what their fathers taught them. I have seen many men Grow beyond what their fathers showed them. Grow past, grow in spite of what their fathers showed them. It is not an excuse to keep living the way the generation before you lived. That's immaturity. To point the finger is immaturity. I'm this way because he did, she did. That's what Adam and Eve did. Immediately. But the mature says, this is the life that God laid out for me, and I'm going to find out how to live it. And I've I've seen people, seen people do it. And and it, it speaks so much to see people take the word and apply it above what they were shown in life. Gentlemen... I can't overemphasize your influence in your homes. I don't want 
your children or my children to have to fight to live beyond what I've taught them. I hope they will, but man, I want to make that minimal, right? Guys, you want to make that. I know it's not Father's Day. I don't care. This is important in our culture. This is an issue. Gentlemen, whether you're married, divorced, whatever, if you have children, be present and be a good man. Not an angry man, but an enduring, patient, temperate, aware, worthy of respect, worthy of honor, self-controlled, sound in biblical doctrine, in agape love, patient man. I can't speak enough about your importance in this church family. I know I think I said it a couple of weeks ago, but Mike Creekmore... Bam, boys. If you've got boys, 9 to 12, he takes them hiking. He takes them to do man stuff. Especially if you're a single mom. Or there is not a good man present with your children or your grandchildren. Mike's rough. He, he is not gonna powder, he's not going to powder their hind ends. It's more like military school. When he takes them on a hike, am I right, Tammy? She's hiding behind her Bible. That's how true it is. Hey, when, when Brett was growing up, we've seen Mike Creekmore stand him up there on the back wall and make him stand all through service so he would stay awake. I think it was him. Maybe it was his brother. Oh, it was him. Okay, I was trying to give you... You know what? Brett's a minister of the gospel today. You may not like the way Mike handles guys. He's tough. He's not going to baby them. If you send them on a hike and you're going to get mad because he didn't baby your baby, he's trying to keep them from fall off the cliff that they're hiking. Okay? So he, he's going to talk to them man to man. And if you're one of those parents that gets mad if the coach tells your kid to sit on the bench because they didn't work hard enough, don't send them to BAM boys. But BAM, our BAM boys, BAM stands for becoming a man. Why? Because this culture needs good men. We provide that for you. Mike lays down his vacation days to come be at vacation Bible school with little kids. And you know what we do? We give him the boys. No girls. He'd have the girls crying like that. It'd be, whoo. It'd be bad. It'd be bad. I appreciate you. I've seen your fruit. And I may think you're too hard sometimes. And we may have to have a visit every now and then. But, man, you got some good fruit. And I appreciate you being willing to disciple our young men. Dylan takes a whole different approach with the teenagers. He can be tough, but most of the time he's just a whole lot of fun. He's just party waiting to happen. And uh, I can't speak enough about the importance of you and our church. Wes, John, Bubba. I mean, can we just look around this room? Bo, think about whether you have a position or don't have a position. You are good men. And these kids see you. I have watched Richard Scruggs. Man, I have seen him take a young man who had never been to church. Little old bitty guy. Couldn't even hardly talk. Speech impediment. Couldn't even understand most of what he said. We'd pick him up, bring him to church with us. He'd stand back there with Richard Scruggs. And Richard would pour himself into that child. Show him how to be an usher. At eight and nine. This is a man. This is a man. I can't express to you the importance it is for you to mature and become a good man. I watch Eugene out there in the, in the gym helping us with VBS and helping his grandson, uh, showing him how to play basketball, trying to beat him. That's a man. That's a good man. We need you, and I can't overstate 
the importance it is for you to be involved in your community. For you to be involved in your church by just being here. Being here, looking, being sober, being vigilant. Who? Because when we're mature, it's not just about us. I went and got fed. I went home and took a nap. It's about sharing the Fruit Loops. This is how you are a good man. This is what I learned. I wasn't raised this way, but this is what I learned. We need you in your work environment. There are people, there are young men, there are old men who are immature who need a good mature Christian man to disciple them and we can either complain or we can teach. And America has got in this cycle of let's just complain. And I think that's really when you decided to get involved. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. If we want America to change, if we want this next generation to change, then we've got to set an example. Let it be abnormal to leave your children. Let it be abnormal to abuse your children. Let it be abnormal to talk negatively to your wives. Let it be abnormal for you not to bring your family to church. Let it be abnormal. Let's raise the standard instead of compromising. We need you in the political realm. We need you men in the political realm to stand on biblical truths and to speak and teach the wise to your yelling. Why do you believe this way? Why are you voting for that person? Why are you fighting abortion? Why are you? Let's disciple the next generation. I promise as your pastor, and I realize that I'm a woman. I noticed it long, long ago. (laughs) Rusty did too. I promise as your pastor to always make sure that you have mature, godly, good men in this church to influence you. It, it It is imperative. And when I look around the room, I realize, wow. High five, Susan. We have got some, we have got some incredible, just solid. Ralph Caldwell, you have sat there on that pew, and I have seen you when I come in that door early, early, every service. You are one of the most rock solid men. You never take this microphone, but Connie, can I get an amen? That's a good man. Tom Wilkins, does he ever change? (laughs) Even Lankford. Tried to move a Jeep on a wet trailer. I might need to talk about wisdom sometime. But we, we, and if I didn't name your name Brad, I mean, I could go, Bubba, I could go on. Will, Rusty, I could go, I could just go on. I just, today, I just want to shout it from the rooftops. We got good men. We got good men, and we're always going to keep men in front of you who are sound in the faith, mature men. And if you don't fit mature man, get your want to up, right? Get your want to to working. Get your want to. Let's, let's, let's find out what, what is the man that I need to be in the house of God. What is the man I need to be in my own household? If you're not married yet, what a great time to mature, Please do some maturing before you marry and before you have children. Do some maturing. If, if, you got it, if you got it in the wrong order, start where you are. I know a lot of people that matured when they should have matured earlier, but it's okay. The goal is to get there. Be, be strong in sound doctrine. Speak, teach, and be living examples of true Christianity. And here's the beautiful thing. 
I'm not going to get into the, the woman's side today because there is no way it is 1139 and there's just no way. But I want to tell you this. When he goes through the, the woman part, and we'll, we'll probably get into that next week. Since I did the guys, we've got to be equal here. He says something so important at, at the end of, I don't even know, verse 5, I think it is. He tells us that how we live and the maturity that we live in in our daily living can influence how people see the gospel. So the way you're working on the job, the way you are at the, the, the baseball field, the way you are, way you talk about your wife when your wife isn't present and you're talking to your coworkers in the break room, that is an influence on how they see Christianity. It's that important. And really, when, when I got to reading these, and of course there's, there's, a, there's two sides to this, there's the, the older, mature men and the younger men, and which we didn't have time to get to today. And then there's the older, mature women and the younger women. So this maturing is not just about you teaching, but the maturing is also about them hearing and applying what you're teaching them. It's about the younger women listening to this 80-plus-year-old up here on the front row and the wisdom that she's gained through life and not just hearing it and saying, well, you know, that was a different generation. The, the sound doctrines are the things that are timeless. I realize there's things in here about slavery and we don't practice slavery, okay? I realize that there's things in here that are, have to do with culture at the time. But there are sound doctrine that are truths that never change. And so if you're here today and you're going, well, this, this message was just for old men. This message was just for old women. Oh, no. This message was for you. Because it's, it's now your response. You don't have to wait to be mature in age to be mature in Christ. And Paul, very, he was very plain with that with Timothy. He said, your age? Mm -mm. No. Don't let anybody disrespect you or not listen to you because of your age. It is about you maturing. And, and I think everyone that is older in age in the room would encourage everyone who is younger in the room, please listen. Because it will save you many heartaches. It'll save you a lot of money. It will save you a lot of time. You will enjoy more of your life sooner. Your life will be more full if we will learn from each other. And I'm telling you, the world will begin to see that Christianity is different than what they thought. When we love each other. When we don't act like they act. Some of them won't like it because darkness doesn't like light. But some of them will decide, I don't want to live in darkness anymore. I want kids like they got. I want homes like they got. I want a career like they've got. I want to live free like they are. I don't want to live under depression anymore. I want to have that kind of joy. I want to have that kind of peace. I, we got to show them. It's not just about us anymore. And I, I think it's a good time to end with share your fruit loops. <laughs> just share your fruit loops. Just what you know, what you've been given. When the opportunity arises, and here's the deal. Once we talk about opportunity arising, you're going to start being aware of opportunity arising. And maturity, when you're ready to grow, you'll take that step of opening your mouth you don't have to know everything. You just have to know what you've experienced and share. You don't even have to know where the scriptures found. If you can't remember where the scriptures sound, run to the bathroom real quick, get your little phone out and find it. 
Or just tell them, hey, I don't remember where this scripture is found, but one time I heard this thing that said blah, 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 and it, it changed my life. I started doing things differently. What, why do we think we have to know everything? The disciples didn't, and he said, go you therefore. So wherever you go for lunch today, watch for opportunity. Amen? Y'all can stand. Men, y'all ought to feel about seven foot tall this morning. I was going to say six foot tall, but then I looked around the congregation. I'm thinking, Ken, Bob, Scott, they're all over six foot. So I can't say seven foot tall. You're important. You're commissioned. You've got a mission. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your patience and endurance with us as we grow. Father, I thank you for hearts of people who are ready, who are tired of just sitting there ready to walk, who are tired of being force-fed milk. They're ready for something that'll help them grow in their Christian walk. They don't want to get bored. We don't want to get bored in our Christian walk, Father. We want to move from glory to glory, from stage to stage. And Father, you show us where we need to grow and also show us where the people around us need to grow. And our vow this morning is that we'll not, we'll not complain about them. But Father, we'll start looking for ways to sow into them. And as you present opportunity, I ask that you stir up in us that if we do the work, it'll be your power that works through us, that does it. And Father, I thank you for discipleship, relationships, the, uh, the wisdom that you've given us the tongue of the learned, that we know how to speak a word in season to those that are weary. As opportunities arise, if we miss it, we'll go back to it. You open the doors, we're going to step in. And you'll give us the things to say. We don't have to worry about it. We trust you with that. We trust you with that. And we thank you for what's going to happen in the lives of people around us. They can take it or not take it, but they're at least going to know the truth. And they'll never be able to say, nobody told me. But we showed them. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. The church said, amen. amen.